0: Welcome, listeners. Welcome, listeners. You're listening to The Deeds in the Desert, the place where real estate investors tune in for the latest news and available investments at Ignite Funding. If you're on the hunt for a low-effort passive income stream, then turn up that volume and pull out the hammock as we get ready to feed you your weekly dose of real estate investing insights. (laughs)
1: Welcome back, podcast listeners, to another episode of Deeds in the Desert. Today we have part three of four in the Default Strategies series, what happens at Ignite Funding during the foreclosure process when a loan goes into default. And joining me on today's episode is Carrie Cook, president of Ignite Funding, and Misty Bethany, chief compliance officer. So everyone, please welcome Carrie and Misty. All
2: right. So, Misty, I know last time it was Pat and I, and we sat down and we talked a lot about um, what happens and what we're doing from the Ignite Funding perspective of, you know, kind of monitoring our loans, uh, knowing when there may or may not be an issue, identifying the issue, um, and the initial communication that we have with our investors that the borrower has not made their interest payment. Right. And then And Pat and I kind of got right up to the edge of, you know, we're ready to execute on a notice of default. Yes. Um, There has been no uh, progress that Pat and I have been able to make with the borrower uh, to work out uh, a reasonable, some sort of reasonable, our investors would agree to this. We agree to this. We're going to give you some extra time. This conversation today is going to be about we've gone down the path of filing the notice of default And this is probably where most investors become um, agitated. (laughs) Yes, they (laughs) do. Agitated because filing a notice of default in most states requires a cure period. And I say in most states, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but in most states, it's 90 to 120 days, and in some states, even more. So every state has different laws pertaining to the protection of the borrower. And although us as lenders would love to say that the protections are on our side, of, our side they're really not. Um, we do have to follow the, the regulations and the laws that are established in each of those states that we lend in. And I say some states because there are two different types of um, foreclosure processes. Right. One is in a judicial state and one is in a non-judicial state. And I don't know if our investors understand the difference between the two. Sometimes our staff talks about it and other times they may not, but I think it's important for all investors to understand the difference between judicial and non-judicial. Will you just briefly give me a definition between a judicial state and a non-judicial state? And where, where does that line cross? And are some states both?
3: Yeah. So primarily, if we are doing a a deed of trust, that is going to be a non-judicial state. The process to foreclose in those states is easier. Never easy, right? But easier versus a mortgage state, which is a judicial foreclosure. Basically, it's exactly what the, the terms describe. Judicial foreclosures have to go through the courts. They take a lot longer there's more steps involved and more costs. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. I definitely see the costs. I know most other people do not, um, but there's definitely costs involved in that. So for the most part, I would say 80 plus percent of our loans are on a non-judicial yes, right. foreclosure. Um, it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just means that there are more defined Uh, steps involved in the process. So I just wanted to make sure that our investors understood that and knew the difference between the two. And, you know, please ask us. Um, You could look it up as well, Uh, that those options are available to you. But either way, uh, Ignite Funding does step in and walk through that process uh, for our investors. I want to say with, but really we are acting on your behalf when you execute your special power of attorney uh, for us to take the necessary steps to protect the asset, i.e. your collateral. So just want to make sure everybody's clear there before we kind of start jumping into this lull, this 90 to 120 days, sometimes a little bit longer, where investors start to get a little bit ANSI. Um, ANSI. Yes, that's a, that's a good way of saying it. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to not be receiving interest during the period of time that we are going through foreclosure. And I will tell you that Ignite Funding feels the exact same way. Misty, does Ignite Funding receive servicing While the loan is going through the foreclosure process.
3: No, they don't. And that's something I talk to investors about a lot when I'm talking about um, actually when they onboard and become an investor, right? Because I want them to understand that Ignite's interests are aligned with our investors. If they are not being paid interest, we are not collecting a servicing fee. We are also not earning while they are not earning, which is good for investors Because it means that the fire is going to be on us to get those loans resolved as quickly
2: as possible. I couldn't have said that better. No, we start, for all intents and purposes, working on your behalf. It doesn't mean we're getting paid for it, but we will continue to work on your behalf. And that's where this evolution starts to happen. Missy, can you talk me through a little bit? I don't know if most of our investors know that we have a centralized location on our website that will provide them some information pertaining to defaults. Can you kind of go over what that section is and what is in that section for them to view?
3: Yeah. On the website, under Investor Relations, under Investor Loan Servicing, at the very bottom, you're going to see a section devoted to basically defaults, right? Right. So it's the Loan Resolution Department, and we put everything on our website. You've probably noticed. We're very transparent in everything we do. Good, bad, ugly. So under Loan Resolution Department, the first thing you're going to see is the asset management performance record from beginning to current, right? And that is everything that has ever Occurred in terms of a default scenario at Ignite funding. And there's gonna the first page is is kind of an overview. It tells you the number that have ever gone into foreclosure, very low. Uh, I looked at it earlier today, I believe it's 3%, to the nitty-gritty details on that last page of every single individual loan that's ever gone into default and what the ultimate outcome was. Why do we give you that information? because we want you to understand the risks involved with investing with us. But also, we pride ourselves in the work that we've done in being able to, in the very rare instance when, when this situation occurs, to be able to resolve it as quickly as possible and to the best outcome possible for our investors. So I encourage everybody to look at the asset management performance record and look at it regularly because we update it regularly. Under that is understanding and managing defaults. So there is a lot of information and resources for you to look at, read through, and really understand what the process is from beginning to end. That is the default guidebook. And so it's gonna walk you through Every scenario that we're going to talk about today and probably a few more that that we will just miss. Default Q&A is there as well. Lots of frequently asked questions and um, a good resource. Default terminology. Some of this is not familiar to everybody. We talked about the judicial and the non-judicial earlier. All of those things that you don't typically hear when working with Ignite, you can find there. And then... The Loan Default Portal, that is key if you are on a default. That is where you are going to be able to log in and see all the communications specific to the loan that you are on. There is, They are password protected, um, so that information is sent to you once that loan is put on the default portal. Historically, we have done that to coincide with when the Notice of Default has been filed, But moving forward, the minute that we file, that we actually ballot, excuse me, the investors to get approval to file the notice of default, that portal will be opened. You will have the login. Carrie, I said the minute that they give approval, (laughs) which is not necessarily in the same time frame
2: the notice would be filed. I want to talk briefly about why that would be. That's true. So there's a couple of things that happen. Um... You know, we talked about it being non-judicial, but a lot of times you also need to take into consideration that there's um, a level of notice uh, you want to give to the borrower. Sometimes Pat and I, when we're uh, chatting with the borrowers, uh, quite frankly, I think they think we're full of it and we're not actually going to file the NOD. Um, I I don't want to be off color, but, um, you know, do they really have it in them? Are they really going to do this already, or are they going to give me the opportunity um, to say uh, to do what I say? And um, you know, <laughs> I work I work for our investors. You work for our investors. We Absolutely. all here at Ignite Funding work for our investors. So we we do have to play play a little bit of a game of chicken. Um, we you know, Pat and I talked about chess before. And you know, when it comes to actually filing the notice of default, recording it, uh, you can't turn back. There is no flip the switch. <laughs> so typically what we'll do is we will send them a letter um, from our legal counsel to let them know it's a 10-day notice that a notice of default will be filed. Sometimes, depending upon the borrower, depending upon the situation, sometimes that scare tactic works. Right then it works to our investor's benefit, where it gives us all of our options still on the table. Because once you file that notice of default, you take a lot of potential options off the table. Pat and I talked about this last time. You know, if they were in the process of refinancing that loan with another lender, we have just taken that option off the table. Yeah. So those decisions, as we are playing that chess game, <laughs> there's a 10-day day of chicken. <laughs> it is <laughs> like uh, buck up or not. Um, so that happens first. Then the notice of default is filed after, you know, maybe there's no communication that occurs during that period of time or the communication that occurs or the information that we're able to do a checks and balance on does not come out uh, to our satisfaction, then we will move forward. Because obviously starting that clock is important if we know there's no other option available to us. So let's talk about what happens during that clock. Let's say we push the button. We, we file the notice of default. Um, the clock has started on the borrower for their opportunity to cure. What's happening in between that period of time? And I know you're always on Pat and I <laughs> going, okay, guys, I got to get an update out there. You know, the phones are starting to ring. That antsiness is, you know, yep. we're in 30 days. We're 30 days in, 45 days in, 60 days in. The, you know, investors are wondering what's going on. Um, you know, during that period of time, sometimes we say to you, Misty, we have no update. And, you know, I I hope that investors can appreciate that we may add that to our portal. We may say we have no update. Um, Misty is responsible for all communication that is put on that portal and goes out to investors, including ballots. And so she is writing us (laughs) the same way investors are. And that's good. Right. Um, I'm taking the calls.
3: So then as I take those calls, I come in and... And prompt again if mm-hmm. I if you know if we need to. But exactly if I'm posting that there's no update, that means that there's a conversation that's been had internally. Yeah.
2: So let's talk about just a little bit. Uh, we talked about the fact that you know ignite funding kind of goes from a, a loan servicer and starts the transition process into asset manager. But asset manager doesn't happen until we foreclose, until right. the day we take possession of the property. So in between that period of time, we are acting in a different capacity. We are acting in the capacity of a default coordinator. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but we had to coin that phrase. And this information, by the way, is in our default guidebook. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kind of go over some of the steps that are happening in between this awkward stage. So let's start with investor communication. You had just recently talked about the fact that we have a default portal. And in that default portal, give me an idea of how frequently investors should expect to receive an update in that portal.
3: Yeah. So, of course, the first, uh, when you receive a ballot and then you're going to receive an email with the ballot results, that typically happens actually fairly quickly from the time the initial ballot is sent, uh, about three to five days. And then to just go back a little bit on the Notice of Default, some of you might be wondering why it is if there's this 10-day that we ballot so quickly and then nothing happens we ballot quickly because we are we cannot just determine when to file a notice of default even if we believe it's in the best interest of the borrowers right we're regulated we have to have investor majority approval to to take any action on a loan so that's why you're going to see a ballot come out very quickly after a missed interest payment we want that in our arsenal mm mm-hmm. So the, the first thing you're gonna see on that default uh, portal is the ballot results. And from there, the next thing you would expect to see is when the notice of default has been sent, has been filed. You will also receive an email. Every time there's an update to the portal, you receive an email to go check the portal. Just a reminder. From there, in, in that first 90 to 120 days. I'm going to be real honest, it, it that is the ANSI period. It's where there may not be anything happening. So in that regard, I try to update at minimum on a quarterly basis. If there is anything, anything that happens with that loan in between that time, those updates are done at that moment. But it wouldn't be unusual in between the time of the notice being filed till the foreclosure date to to not have an update
2: Mm -hmm. it's it's true sometimes the borrowers just completely go mia on us right and 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 we can't we can't even get them to communicate with us and so that kind of steps into the next process of that default coordinator and that's borrower communication and negotiation And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because I said communication and negotiation. Mm -hmm. Just because we filed that notice of default doesn't mean they don't want to protect their asset. Right. Because remember, it is their asset until it's not. So during that period of time, the negotiation with Ignite funding continues, it doesn't stop. So let's kind of go over some of those things because I know investors are receiving the communication. So, if we have something to update them on. um, So, let's say we filed a notice of default. Okay. All right. And Pat and I are able to negotiate something different. So, I'm going to run through some of those scenarios for just a second. Again, this may be foreign, but go to our website, look up this stuff. This is all there, it's all laid out. Loan modification. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for just a second. Let's you know let's, let's let the sky fall for a minute. Let's say let's say we have an economic meltdown happen. Let's say we have a 2008 occurrence. If we had that type of situation, loan modifications—that is not a bad word. No. And in fact, if we have an opportunity to get a loan performing at a lesser amount than it was before. And what I mean by that is the borrower said, listen, I know I'm having difficulty. I have two options. I can either file BK, or I could pay a lesser amount to Ignite Funding for a shorter period of time and get this loan refinanced. Okay, those conversations are happening behind the scenes if it's in the investor's best interest if we really believe and we have verified everything and there's an opportunity to modify that loan to get that borrower making interest payments even during this cure period like let's let's think about this for yeah. just a second we are going to introduce that concept to you if we feel like it's in your best interest as well. And we've done that. And we have. We have done that. And we have, you know, again, the sky is falling. We have had situations where it was in all of our investors' best interests to take a lesser interest rate to get this loan and this capital, this loan resolved and the capital back to our investors. So that's one option that I know seems scary, but it may be an option that we present to you as an option. I'm not saying you have to take it. I'm saying 51% majority is going to make that decision. Right. But the only reason why I would present that option is if I feel like it's a good option to consider.
3: Right. Because have you ever present had me present
2: <laughs> an option that you thought was terrible for investors? No. I, I had an option brought to my attention just the other day. And they're like, if we can just not pay for three months and, and it takes everything I have to <laughs> stay on the phone and not just go click, right? Right. But I need to hear them out. I need to understand why. I need to understand what's going on there because we need to double back and find out if what they're saying to us, if we can confirm it or not. Right. Um, it's, not, it's not truth or, or, or you know, uh, or lies in this regard. It is really just a verification process. If I think it's absolutely ludicrous – I'm not going to even entertain communicating with investors about it. There are times that we get offers for properties that we've taken back through, you know, (laughs) through foreclosure. And it's just ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Um, And when I say ludicrous, if it's anything greater than 50% of, you know, the capital return, I'm probably going to send it to you so you're aware that we are at least fielding. Right. But if it's, you know, I'll give you 10 cents on the dollar – in today's environment, you know, pound sand. We're not going to even entertain ridiculous offers. But modifications, sometimes they come up, sometimes it's, it's a good option, uh, sometimes you will see us present that to you, even during that period between NOD, notice of default, and foreclosure. The second one is loan forbearance. Pat and I talked a lot about that the last time because we see um, a decent amount of forbearances will occur doesn't again doesn't mean the borrower's not paying, doesn't mean any of those things. Typically, you won't see a forbearance uh occurring when you have NOD to foreclosure. But could it happen? It could. It's mm-hmm. an option. It's on the table. It's something we're discussing during that period of time. Uh probably the the biggest though that we see is if we are able to negotiate a deed in lieu, as opposed to waiting to go through the entire Foreclosure process. So, what is a deed in lieu of foreclosure? A deed in lieu can be executed with the borrower for investors to obtain immediate property ownership. Right. And the deed in lieu is a little bit different, right? It's it it gives us um, the ability to foreclose faster. And it, and it is the borrower basically saying, I'm throwing my hands up, right? <laughs> I can't save this thing. I don't want this foreclosure on my record. I never want to have to foreclose or, or disclose the fact that I have this dent, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have a willingness to come to us and say, take the property. I am going to allow you to take the property, not go through this whole process. But But that's a double-edged sword too. sure is. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because a deed in lieu means you're taking on all of the risk of any of the liability that has been brought on by this particular borrower um, not paying their bills, right? Liens that have been put on the property, et cetera. You are absorbing all of that liability if you accept a deed in lieu. Oh, I
3: imagine you do a lot of investigation before agreeing to that. <laughs> a lot.
2: A lot. And even, even through that process, um, we had a loan one time that we, we, we did take a deed in lieu. And I thought we had checked every every box. And what we didn't check was how the municipality would feel about an outsider acquiring property in an area that they didn't want any development occurring with an outsider. (laughs) Yeah, I could see how you could miss that. That is something you can't predict when you take a deed and loo. So deed and loo's need to be managed in a way where (laughs) the value of that asset is so great that the risk in taking the deed and loo um, becomes so molluscule that you have a willingness to take it. So not a ton of options out there, right? And then there's the obvious one, taking no action and the borrower just randomly plops the payoff. I mean, and I'm, when I say randomly, you know, I mean it. Sometimes we have a borrower that during this process, a wire shows up mm-hmm. for the full amount. We haven't talked to them in 30 days, 60 days. I mean, it could be the day of. We have literally, Pat and I have literally, the day of standing on the courthouse steps, had a borrower make the payment 15 minutes before we foreclosed on the property. Because they don't want to lose the property. They don't want to lose the asset. Right. Right? So all of these things are happening during that period of time. A lot of it
3: unpredictable to
2: you. A lot of it. A lot of it is unpredictable to us, especially during that period of time. So... Our predictability of communicating to you is a little unpredictable, right? It, it is a little unpredictable, um, but it doesn't mean that we've stopped communicating with the borrower. It doesn't mean that we stop going to the property uh, and visiting it and seeing what's going on. Every property is in a different stage, right? I yeah. mean, this could be a half-built house. We need to make sure that we're securing that asset. So let's talk about that. Misty. <laughs> <laughs> How do I feel about default expenses? Give me an idea. You've been you've been with me long enough mm-hmm. that um, I want you to kind of describe what you perceive as a, me running this company. How do I handle default expenses? Well, this is something I talk to
3: to investors about a lot, and and I. Probably because it gives me a good sense of pride in working here and working with you, right? So with default expenses, there's a lot of expenses. So many that, you know, you. I'm sure you'll talk about this, but I don't think our investors even understand who have been on defaults. What all is involved in the expenses and how you've always handled it is really looking out for the best interest of the investors, right? And you've put company money on the line in order to have the best outcome for investors. <laughs> Maybe not always popular with our owners. It's not. It's not. But what is my other option? Do a capital call to the investors. And how well would that go? Oh, I don't think it would go well. <laughs> I don't think it would go well. And then the problem with the capital call is, it. it correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So every investor has to participate. What would the chances of that be? I can tell you tabulating uh, ballots, it wouldn't happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is why there's a, well, that's not exactly why there's a 51% majority. That's Nevada law. Yeah. But um, that we are governed under. But even if it wasn't, uh, we apply those same standards across all states because that is yes. the highest commercial lending standard that we have run across That's in right. all the states that we operate in. So the reality here is that sometimes we struggle to get 51% of investors to even respond to us. We do. And I know for some investors that may be appalling to them, but you know this is a passive investment. And the passive nature of that says to me, as the, the person who runs these co- this company, that if the company doesn't have a willingness to step in to assist these investors through the process, then I should expect that those investors won't come back and invest with us. So yep. I consider what Ignite Funding does and the capital that we initially put forward to protect their assets as us saying to our investors, when we say passive, we mean it. And we're going to stand behind what we underwrite. We are going to service what we underwrite. And we are going to foreclose, if need be, on what we underwrite. Because who knows that loan better than anybody else?
3: Right. And what I I say to investors is, listen, you are never going to be orphaned at Ignite Funding. We are with you every step of the way. And in some cases... What I mean by that is we come in and, and we're acting as the parent, right? We are taking care of
2: our investors. I don't want to call our investors children, but... We are. We, we literally are wrapping our arms around them. Yes. And um, protecting that asset during the notice of default to foreclosure. And let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to dig into these expenses because I probably know them better than anybody else because I'm yes. signing off on them. You do. And so when it comes to the initial default process, whether judicial or non-judicial, there is an attorney involved. Mm -hmm. And because we operate um, or lend, excuse me, in so many states, we have to retain a lot of attorneys. Yes. Um, Not only attorneys, but trustees, Mm -hmm. because we do need a third party to step in, to act in that capacity to assist us through the foreclosure process. Right. So we can't have a trustee sale without a trustee being (laughs) involved in the sale. We do not act in that capacity.
3: Yeah. See things that
2: people don't think about. We don't. We don't think about that. But that's just one piece of the puzzle, right? So it's very easy. Anybody could go out and hire an attorney. But what you also have to look at is how are we protecting that asset during that period of time that we don't own it? So one of the things that we didn't talk a whole lot about is one of the requirements uh, that we have for our borrowers is that they have to maintain insurance on that property to the degree that Ignite Funding investors, Ignite Funding for the benefit of our investors, are additionally insured on the insurance and endorsed on the policy. If there's anybody out there that's in the insurance world, you know exactly what I mean. Yes. What this means is if the insurance for any reason by the borrower is not paid or they try to file a claim on the property, IGNITE funding is notified. So we know when our borrowers are not paying their insurance on the property that's protecting the investors to some degree, right? If we have a slip and fall or something happens, you know, we want to make sure that we are protecting our investors on that. So during that notice of default to foreclosure, if a borrower is kind of iffy as to whether or not they're going to you know, keep the property or try to fight for the property or pay off the property, they will let that lapse. Right. And we do not want that to lapse during the notice of default to foreclosure and after. It's much easier to acquire the insurance policy than it is to go get a new one. And although we do have some mechanisms in place for gap insurance, if our borrowers are unable to pay, um, it's much easier for us to step in and and take that over. So sometimes we are stepping in and paying for the insurance to make sure that the liability to our investors is as low as we can possibly get it, right? Yeah. How often does that happen? Uh, More frequently than you think especially when we're in this notice of default to foreclosure and they're trying to figure out whether or not they're going to try to protect this asset or pay the asset off, right? Because additional expense, if they're not paying the interest payment, there's a high probability that they're not paying other expenses. There's a higher probability that there are liens and there's contractors that haven't been paid. So that's happening all at the same time. Furthermore, Sometimes when Pat and I go and visit these properties, once we have filed this notice of default, there is vandalism that occurs. And um, in in those regards, there have been measures taken um, to protect the asset, and that may include putting a fence around the property. Who do you think is paying for that? Ignite funding. We're stepping in and we're paying for that to ensure that the value of your asset is not deteriorating during that period of time. Now, that's if the borrower will allow us to do that. So maintaining that relationship with that borrower, even during the notice of default to foreclosure, is very important. It's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of juggling that's happening during that period of time. So the next thing, probably worst case scenario that you want to see have happen. I say worst case, but in the same regard, eh, it, it, just, it just adds another layer of, of cost um, and time potentially. And that is when the borrower decides, you know what, I'm going to protect this asset and they file for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And when they file for bankruptcy, I think we all can appreciate <laughs> that I have to hire an attorney that specializes of course. on the federal bankruptcy law side. Because the, the trustee attorney <laughs> that we hired is not going to be able to facilitate our ability to remove your asset from the bankruptcy proceedings that you know could carry on. So once they have their 341 hearing uh, for their bankruptcy, Ignite Funding can then engage in the uh, process of getting a lift stay. And what that basically means is that Ignite Funding, on behalf of our investors, is requesting that that asset be removed from the bankruptcy that the borrower is filing. I think we all know when we file bankruptcy, it's like, throw the kitchen sink in, throw everything in, because anything that they can protect or try to protect, they're going to. And they have that right. And I'm not saying that they don't, but... When that asset is in that special purpose entity for one specific reason, and you have no reason to protect it except to harm our investors, um, Mama Bear comes out. (laughs) (laughs) That's one name that you guys call me. And we get in there and we take it back. And again, that is something that Ignite Funding initially pays for those costs. But sometimes it goes beyond that sometimes these default expenses go even beyond that. And so I'm going to let you tell a story. These were Utah properties. Yep. And we foreclosed, this was a borrower default where their entire portfolio that we had with them went into default because of financial situation that the borrower was having in general. It wasn't specific to one asset or another, but this was a kind of a catastrophic if you will like you you know we have mismanaged our funds to the point where we cannot continue to operate our business and um we foreclosed on all of those properties and this was a unique situation i've never been in a situation before where you know we really had to evaluate their entire portfolio i say their own portfolio cuz it it was part of our portfolio but we were really thrown into the trenches um Tell me your recollection, Misty, of that situation.
3: Yeah, well, that was an interesting situation. So you and you and Pat had gone down boots on the ground to check out the properties, I believe, right before the trustee sale. And these were some residential properties that were partially constructed uh, in an area where the weather can be inclement, to say the least, right? And... So proceed with the the foreclosure. You come back. Of course, my next question to you is, Okay, what are we communicating to (laughs) investors? And that's when you let me know what what you discovered. And of course, there's more value in those properties had they been completely finished and we could sell them. But that wasn't the case. So we are left with these partially constructed homes that have value, but not their highest value. So that's when I believe, I don't know, did you become a a kind of a a foreman? (laughs) You you certainly had to, you know, determine what you're going to do. And what you determined to do was to expend the capital to finish the construction of those homes so that we could then sell the assets for their highest and and best value. No capital call was done to
2: investors in that scenario either. Did Ignite own any portion of any of those loans. No. So I ask that question because there is really no end to what we are willing to do. There isn't. To try to return as much capital to our investors when we have a default scenario. And
3: I think sometimes when you tell us what your plan is, I know I have, we've looked at you like, seriously? you're going to do that?
2: If we have the ability, we will. And I say that because not out of guilt, this isn't guilt. I think everybody knows that when we get into these types of investment, there is inherent risk. But I'm a real estate investor as well, not only here, but outside of here. And when you take back property, if you have the ability to recapture your capital, and maybe even more than your initial capital, and you are 80 plus percent to the finish line, sometimes the best outcome is to finish it. Other times, the best outcome is to walk away because you can't – I mean, you're just putting bad money against bad money. It doesn't make sense. But when it does make sense, there is a willingness – for Ignite funding to put forth their capital to assist in that process not because we have to because we want to we want to, to th- illustrate to our investors yeah that we are with them through this process that's why we have an a to z process and not an a to m
3: right and it goes back to exactly what we talked about earlier in terms of ballot options we would never present an investor with a ballot option that made no sense to us. And likewise, when you go in and you look at the state of a property, you're going to do what you believe is in the best interest of the investors, whether that's to add capital at Ignite's initial expense, right, Mm -hmm. to finish those properties, or whether, no, it doesn't make any sense. It's just going to be a steeper loss.
2: And when Ignite Funding does that, Do we communicate to investors their option of having Ignite step in with the capital or selling it as is? We do. We do. So they always have the option. You don't have – Investors do not have to say, yes, Ignite funding, go ahead and spend your money. (laughs) I I know I'm going to have to pay it back to you, but yeah, go ahead and spend your money. You still, as an investor, have an option all the way along the way. This isn't Carrie saying, oh my gosh, I'm so wonderful. This is saying, this is an option that we're going to put on the table – Right, we don't have to, but in some circumstances, we have a willingness to put that option on the table. Yep. And and when we do, um, sometimes it works out better for our clients than they the amount that they originally invested. But there are other times where it doesn't. There are other times where there will be losses. So I don't want to perceive um, or have this perception that we are you know miracle workers here. Exactly.
3: And you know it goes back to every investment has a risk and. That is certainly the risk at Ignite is that you can lose principal. You can.
2: So do I have to pay for these default expenses? Absolutely not. Um, and how does our expense that we pay work out in the end for the investor? So of course we
3: recoup our hard costs, right? But we would only be expending that with the hope and the belief that it will return a higher
2: percentage to investors overall. Correct. So I'm not going to put the company's money at risk. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, there's only one way to foreclose on properties. And that includes costs. And so my commitment has always been to investors. And in the foreseeable future, I will continue to commit to this at a minimum, The initial onset of starting the foreclosure process, I believe, is of the utmost responsibility of ignite funding. Um, All of the other ancillary expenses associated in that is really something that's a decision that we will always go to our investors on. I will never spend an exorbitant amount of money prior to. Investors saying, yes, we want to go down this path. So don't, I don't want anybody to think that what I'm saying to you is I open up my checkbook <laughs> so that I can have you return these, these fees to us later. That is absolutely not the case. And in fact, I will tell you, if you've ever seen our financials, um, you know how tight I am on the expenses of the company. And that streams down into my personal life as well as to the investors. So, um, you know, please look at our financials and look at how I spend the funds of, of the company. And look what is dropped to the bottom line. And that will give you a very good indication of, you know, how these expenses are, are expensed and used. Um, You know, we do look at all of that from the investor's perspective in making sure that it is a value to them in the end. Right. And if it's not, uh, we will not spend it. Uh, We will look at alternative ways, um, you know, to communicate that with investors should we think that there's more funds that need to be spent for a better outcome.
3: You know, and something, as I'm talking to investors, I don't think a lot of investors realize that there are expenses just to filing a notice of default and taking the property back, even in a best case um, sort of scenario. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the basic expenses that are required in that process?
2: Yeah, I would say probably the best way to describe this um, is to give you an average of what it cost Uh, to take back a property. And, and we have this in our, our default guidebook. Um, But, you know, historically it takes about three to 5% of the value of the asset to go from notice of default to foreclosure. That's an average. So what, and and if we're just talking about, you know, filing the notice of default and the foreclosure process and the the legalities of it, it's about $2,500. But if you're looking at the full picture, you know, 3 to 5% of the value of the property is typically what you'll see um, as far as an expense. If you were to go out to a collection agency, let's say Ignite Funding decided, you know what, we're just not going to participate in the bad stuff. We're going to push that off to another company, which a lot of lenders do, right? A lot of lenders don't even handle the loan servicing. In those types of circumstances, typically what you'll see, and everybody can go out and look this up, somewhere between 20 to a 50% fee. Wow. Is what they charge. And so that is nowhere near where we're at. And you know, in future segments, we will talk about our asset management fee, which is a whopping 5% <laughs> if I charge it. Um if you charge it. <laughs> Notice she said that again because. I am more of the opinion that get back the capital to the investors as quickly as you can and get them reinvested. Yes. The company will make more money on that than we will on charging our investors fees. And so that's just always been my mentality. That's the way that I run this business. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. I know my owners would maybe rather it a little bit different, but they're not in the trenches with the investors like we are. And they don't have to take the calls from the investors like we do. Right. And I look at the longevity of our investors to be way more important than making a, making a buck. It, it just is not what is my driving factor of what I do. So that's what, that's, I think answers your question on yes. the expenses Does that kind of give it a, a good tool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to turn this around on you for just a second. Um, you know, the only time that I'm really taking calls from investors, Well, let's be honest. When you're at the top, the only time you're taking a call is when they are not happy. And that's okay. That is perfectly fine. Uh, Or they're not getting you know, the service that they have come to expect of us. Perfectly fine. Investors want to reach out to me. No problem. Uh, This girl's got some tough skin. Call me. Let me know what's going on. Um, But I don't get that very often. I have to say, you know, and 2022, the amount of calls that I took from investors, I could probably count on this one hand.
3: Which is good. That means that That's we're great. doing something
2: right here. Exactly. That means that you are a phenomenal buffer. <laughs> That's <laughs> what that means to me. You know, Misty is kind of my right hand person here when it comes to. Uh, managing the client services side of things. You do run the client services department. I do. As well as the loan processing department um, for all investors. So anytime that you have an investment and paperwork is being sent out, her department is actually checking all of that back in, your special power of attorneys, your investment documents, uh, making sure that your funds are here, uh, you know, making sure all the paperwork is sent to the custodians if you're investing through custodial accounts. And on the flip side, she's also managing and making sure that when loans pay off, um, that you are being contacted and making sure that we're getting your funds back to work. And then she's got a third job, which is, you know, making sure that anytime we have a default scenario that she's getting the ballots and the communication out to investors and m- really maintaining that open communication with them. So let's talk about open communication because, um, we do not live in a perfect world. We do have defaults. They come up from time to time. We have a few right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, s- small dollar amounts. I think in, in general, for, we're, we're talking about, uh, looking at, um, our asset performance tracker. I think we have $1.3 million in default. Um, but we also have this in-between period. Right. Um, and I, when I say default on the asset management tracker, I should be more clear. Those are loans that have gone all the way through foreclosure and are real estate owned.
3: Exactly. So that's
2: what you see there. Now there's this in-between period that we've been talking about today from notice of default to foreclosure. You know, talk me through what's going on. We have a few loans that are in that situation um, as we speak, as we're recording this podcast. You know, what what are you hearing from investors? What, What are the questions that are being posed so that we can make sure all of our investors have an opportunity to hear some of that?
3: So it's the ANSI period. It's when investors, maybe it's the first time they've gone through a default with us, right? And they're they're feeling nervous. They don't know what's gonna happen. And so they look to us because we are so transparent and they know that we've been through this and we're, you know, looking out for them. They want to know, they want more. They want to know what's gonna happen. So a lot of the questions I get is okay, I know this that my loan is different. But you've been through this. So tell me what's going to happen. And <laughs> that's difficult for me because every, just like you've heard, right, every scenario is different. There's so many things that go on behind the scenes and all the different um, workout strategies that you and Pat discuss with the borrowers. Um, so I think they get frustrated with me a little bit because I I say to them, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. All I can tell you is this is – we filed the notice of default. This We're waiting. We're waiting. Yeah.
2: They're hoping you have a nugget of information, right? Yes. (laughs) They they want me to reassure them. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, Pat and I talked about this uh, in the last segment. We don't talk with staff during that period of time because that could be detrimental
3: to the outcome.
2: And when I say we don't talk with staff, it's from the top down. So we do have to keep things somewhat tight to our chest sometimes. But when we have it, the first person, I will assure all of you, the first person that will know is Misty. And the first thing she's going to do is communicate it to you. Yes. We are not holding anything back, but we may be protecting you. By not communicating. So I can see how that could be frustrating. Yeah. Um, And it's frustrating for Misty too. She's coming to us and, you know, you have nothing. Okay, there's no updates. Um, No, we lead with facts and we communicate the facts. And so if we have things that we are still trying to determine whether the factual nature of them, we're not going to communicate that. We do not want to take you guys on a process where, you know, you're having to go on this roller coaster ride with us. I know you're on it. But, you know, some things are better left unsaid.
3: Well, and that's that's another thing that often comes up is in the communications that we send out, I give you every bit of information that I have that is okay to share, that will not harm you. But I, what I hear from investors a lot is, well, this is a two-page letter and you haven't told me much.
2: <laughs> right? Yes, Yes, I'm sure you are hearing that. Um, but sometimes that two page letter also has a lot of information in it. It does. So I, you know, I kind of have to lead with the flip side of that. That information that we provide you, whether it's a page, a paragraph, two pages, or a novel. All, and some of them have been. And some of them are, because there's a lot to explain sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure because we don't have a podcast every, we don't pop on a podcast every day, right? And we never get anything done. And I think investors would rather us be protecting their capital yes. than, you know, having podcasts. But there are times where it is appropriate to have a novel. There are times when, you know, I sit down with you, you come with your notebook and you don't stop writing for 30 minutes. That's right. And then you have to assess all of that information and communicate it in a way that is digestible by investors in a passive investment that may not know much about real estate and may not know much about this process, but we need them to make an educated decision. So I know sometimes it may not seem like a lot is being communicated. And sometimes we are, you know, I'm asking you to make sure you're regurgitating the same thing that you've said before, because I want investors, every time they receive a communication from us, to one, recollect where we started, right, where we've been, and where we are, and sometimes that's tough to take. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can never fault us for over communicating. No. So, although some of our communication may not have value to you, it may have value to somebody else. There. What else do you hear out there?
3: You know, that's that's the main ones. Um, other than any updates, any updates, <laughs> and you know, all I can say is we've said it. We've said it earlier. Is when there is an update, we will update you promptly. when there's not an update, you might hear from me to say there's no update. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It or just that means, there's not
2: behind the scenes going on. Yeah. It just means that there's, you know, we haven't gotten to the point of foreclosure yet. Right. And, you know, don't be alarmed. Um, you know, there's, there, there's one thing that I think I, I, I recalled. and we don't have a lot of defaults. And, and we're not foreclosing on a lot of our defaults. But when we do get to that stage and I, I know you'll remember this, you've been here long enough that right before the foreclosure, we may postpone. Right? Oh my gosh, let's talk about that for just a second. I was about no, that's to a good point. I was about to sign off here, but let's talk about that for just a second. That has to be the most frustrating from an investor's perspective after they just waited four months for us to foreclose on a property. And so if I don't address this, then we've, we're going to miss a segment here. Yeah. So why in the heck would would Pat and I be running into your office saying, no, 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 we are not, we're not ready to foreclose. We need to postpone two weeks. That, as an investor, I think I might be pissed. I, I actually think that may aggravate me to the point where I would say, you know, grow a set, Ignite funding. Mm -hmm. We got all the way to this point. And why are we pulling back? Why are we postponing two weeks? Give me an idea. Just You've gone through this with us before. I have. I have. Do you recall, and if you don't, that's okay. Do you recall why we have done that in the past?
3: I mean, I think there's been a few scenarios in which we've done it, right? So one – Just off the top of my head, one would be the borrower is going to be able to pay that loan off, right? And that we're not going to have foreclosure, the full amount of foreclosure expenses is what I should say. Uh, And that's the main one. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: It's called a a drop-in wire. We move millions of dollars, millions of dollars at Ignite Funding on a daily basis. We do. And sometimes a wire drops in last minute, and we are trying to figure out what's going on. We can't foreclose on a property (laughs) that is also being paid off at the same time. Sometimes it's difficult to pull the plug and foreclose on a property when I have another lender reaching out to me saying, we're funding this next Tuesday. Yeah, that's happened too. And if I can return all of the capital plus interest owed, To my investors, or foreclose on that property and roll the dice that I can sell it and get all of that back, it puts the brakes on sometimes. And you probably can't communicate that. I can't. There's a lot that I, it's this is a, these are awkward situations for us to be in. So if I am asking for a postponement on a trustee sale,
0: there's a there is reason. some
2: serious stuff going on behind the scenes that two weeks is not going to make that big of a difference,
3: and likely would be a huge benefit to investors, or you wouldn't be
2: even considering it. In some cases, it is. In some cases, it may not be. Doesn't turn out. But yeah, if I'm an investor, <laughs> and and. And again this is tough right because they yeah. can't be involved in every phone call every this all the all the stuff that's coming at us from from behind the scenes but if we do that if we postpone I am here to tell you there is a very justifiable reason why we have done that and our investors would want us to do that on their behalf exactly and I may not be I may never be able to communicate that to you Probably the best form of communication is getting your capital back and all your interest before we foreclose on the property. It's
3: really all they care about, right? Like all we as investors care about. It's all about. they
2: should. Yeah. It's all you should because that's, that's our job. Absolutely. That's our job in this process. Well, Misty, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. I think now, now investors know your role, maybe even more than they did before, um, but you definitely do play a big role in the foreclosure process because you are their lifeline you are the one that's communicating to them. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you again so much for supporting us and listening to another episode of Deeds in the Desert. Next week, we have part four in the Default Strategies series. So make sure you tune in for the last and final part of that series.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Deeds in the Desert where short-term investments meet long-term investors. We hope you enjoyed the content so much that you share it with all your friends. Who doesn't like learning about passive fixed income, right? Still hungry for more education? Visit our website at ignitefunding.com. Or if you're ready to take the leap and start investing, give us a call at 702-761-0000 and schedule a free investor consultation.